Welcome to the It's Going to Be Good podcast, where Jill and I will be talking about building your accounting firm so that you can focus on doing meaningful work with exceptional people. Jill, you want to share what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, absolutely. Today, we will be talking about how we effectively work together as a visionary and integrator or ideator and discerner or CEO and COO, whatever we want to call them, how we work together in those kind of complementary roles. Um, So I'll just dive right in. When we started working together, uh, that visionary integrator concept was really pivotal to to kind of our initial conversations about what we would be doing working together. Um, And we had shared this idea with several other firm owners that we knew um, in our network and that were kind of along on similar journeys to us and kind of at similar points in their firms as ours. And um, they are all, you know, everyone wants their firm to be sustainable, to be able to grow at a clip that feels comfortable. And all of that sounds really appealing. But we were talking to a bunch of other firm owners in our network and 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 they were kind of in a similar position as us. And so we had talked about this concept of the visionary and integrator. And and it really was a a, a moment for a lot of other firm owners that we know where they realized that they could build something that wasn't just a job for them, which I think is one of the biggest like aha moment moments for most firm owners is like, oh, I don't have to do this forever. I don't have to do this kind of work forever. I don't have to only have these problems forever. So I think even just knowing that there were options and that someone else on the journey was doing it um, and kind of at the same pace as, as we were at that point. Um, so over the last few years, we've we've talked to a lot of firm owners who are kind of in that same position, who have found their own counterpart, either their integrator or their visionary, depending on kind of where their skill set was initially. And we've been able to watch these firms grow and and watch our firm grow from this concept. And it's been so helpful and and exciting to watch something so universally applicable be such an important and pivotal point in so many different kinds of firms. And so it's really fun to to go to conferences like we'll be at QuickBooks Connect soon and and we'll be at these conferences and talking to people about kind of what they're doing in in their firms and, and how they're approaching some of the problems that every firm owner experiences and how they're leveraging their counterpart, either their visionary or their integrator to kind of get themselves to where they want to go. And one of the questions that a lot of these firms in particular, but but lots of people ask us, is specifically how do we work together? So not just in terms of like who does what, but also more generally in terms of like how does a partnership work, especially for firms that were started by one owner, and then you're bringing someone into another role. So for in our case, you know, you started a crew, Anna, and you're the CEO and founder, and then you're bringing an employee in to act like a partner, which is really unique and different. So once we start working together, I'm curious, Anna, what are some of the things that you did to mentally prepare for sharing leadership with me? That is a really good question. And as you were talking, I was thinking about some of those other firm owners we know that I'm excited to to see it conferences. And one of the things I've seen is they bring their integrator counterpart or their visionary counterpart to conferences. And so we get to see them together. And it is those firms that we are seeing skyrocket. Like it's so fun to to talk to them about their growth and to talk to them about what a difference that has made just from like them pursuing finding that other person um, because they saw that it was possible. So 
in terms of prepping for that mentally, for, first step, I had to prep for the idea that I was going to hire someone that was not billable. So that is also one step. It's financial. It's can you afford to hire an integrator? And one of the ways we were able to, to get that started is for you to start as part-time and for us to kind of figure that out as we go. You had another engagement at the time as well that you were doing part-time, so it worked for you. And it worked for us um, to be able to kind of ramp up to you being full time. And then just mentally, like, I think it was that point where I knew I had reached the upper limit of what I could do on my own without more leadership. I knew I could hire more employees. I knew I could find more people to do technical work. But I knew that that would not actually solve the problem because everyone was still coming to me to make the final decision. I didn't have more leaders, but it takes a lot of humility to admit where your limits are. And that is not a humble brag about how humble I am, um, but it is it just that willingness to acknowledge where you need help. That's going to be the thing that helps you figure out what areas you need help in and who you can bring alongside you. Um, so I knew I wanted another decision maker in the room. I didn't want someone to just tell me yes and go do my thing because my thing's not always a good thing and it's not always a now thing. And I knew that I wanted someone who's good at the things that I wasn't good at, who had a skill set I didn't have, who could bring something else to the table. I also knew that I would have to confront my own ego um, because I was used to being the final decision maker. I was used to being the expert in the room and being that smartest person and, you know, everyone would come to me and like there is some ego stroke that comes along with being the only one who can who can do things. And so bringing on someone who's good at things you aren't means that they're going to be an expert in things that you're not good at. And that's going to start to challenge you in ways that you're not going to be expecting. Um, you know, everyone assumes that they're humble until they're confronted with the idea that they're they're actually not. Unless you don't assume you're humble. I, I know maybe some people don't. But um, but I will say, you know, it, it's going to sound very cliche, but it it starts with respect. Like I knew that I had to position Jill as a leader for the rest of the team to be able to accept her as a leader. I knew that I had to reinforce that in the way that I acted. I could not just arbitrarily go over her and make a different choice. Like I knew that if she did something that I didn't agree with, I would have to have a conversation with her and do a sidebar, not talk about that in front of the team or, you know, those kinds of things. It is so important to actually respect one another, to treat each other like you are partners, like you are leaders. To have someone be able to lean into that, you have to start first. Um, so once we started working together, how did you navigate that? You know, I obviously had a lot of work to do on my side to kind of get ready for that. But how did you lean into, welcome to the company, you're now a leader? Yeah, that is a really challenging way to enter a company if you don't do that kind of work, especially. So I think for me in particular, not being a technical expert and also managing a team of technical experts is really challenging, but management is a totally different function than being able to do accounting. And so I did have stuff to bring to the table from a management perspective that was definitely needed. 
But I think my approach was really like, I want to absorb as much information as I can so that I'm not causing more problems than I'm solving <laughs> when I start. So I, I did an early survey of the team to see what are the, some of the things that are important to them that could be improved? What are some of the things they love about working here? And so just kind of like stepping into data gathering mode was really helpful for kind of taking a step back and saying, let's just get a lay of the land. Let's figure out what we need to work on and then let's tackle it strategically by priority. And so I, I think like the slow roll of that was really helpful. But like we've said a, a few times, one of the primary roles that I serve here as integrator is to discern ideas. And so we can have all the ideas in the world, but if they're not being discerned, we're just going to, I don't know, aim all over the place and shoot wherever and hope it lands at the target at some point. And I'm not really into that. That doesn't sound fun to me. That I'm doesn't like, sound fun? I don't understand. That sounds no, so fun. No, it definitely <laughs> sounds like a bad way to try to hit a target. So <laughs> I would rather aim for the target. Yeah, in, in that discernment, I think, um, you know, it, it's a it's a hard skill to feel comfortable using in a new job in particular, but it is one of the most undervalued steps in a decision-making process and skills that someone can have in a workplace, but it often comes across as nitpicky or negative or, you know, critical or whatever, and, and that discernment really isn't aiming at poking holes in that person's ego. It is aiming at poking holes in the problem so that we end at the right solution. And so I think you being really aware of yourself was really helpful in that. And even me being aware of what I know and what I don't know was really helpful in that as well. But I mean, you just said it perfectly. Not all ideas are good ideas and not all ideas are right now ideas. And so we had to pace ourselves and we had to kind of work together on what is the most important thing and what do we need to tackle first. But in making some of those plans and, and creating like a framework for how the company would be shifting over time, it was all about trust building. We were We were working together really regularly. I was, you know, pushing back on ideas. And getting a response back that was supportive and, and someone who was grateful for that pushback because it was the thing that was needed at that point in the company was just someone who said, is that right? Is this the right solution? Is this the best solution? Is this, you know, is this even actionable? Like, how do we measure this? And, and someone who's going to ask all those questions, which again, sound really negative, but are so helpful for ending in the right place. So I think building the trust that when I say I see holes in this, that that will be received with gratitude and openness and, and a, a willingness to even push back against my pushback, that is really trust building. And so we did a lot of that really early, which just gave us such a great foundation for being able to make really quick and agile decisions for the firm. And, and also we just both approach collaboration with a mind, mindset of, talking about the idea, not the person. It, my ideas are not me. They are separate from me. And so when I give an idea, the assumption that that should be accepted and, and that should win because I gave it is just totally incorrect. I want people to poke holes in my ideas. I want people to find the flaws. I want someone to say, hey, but what if we did it this way? And for them to be right, not because I want to be wrong, but because the goal is that the best idea wins. And so when you're working on a team of people who trust that People will give that pushback and will, you know, see, point out the holes that they're seeing and, and say something that isn't 
just totally positive, like, yay, this is all wonderful and perfect and it, nothing could ever go wrong with this. Like if you've got people who are willing to say the hard thing and run toward the fire, it's really easy to trust them. It makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I definitely think it helped that we worked together in person quite a bit. You were in my bubble. Um, <laughs> and and so there were a lot of days that we would collaborate. And it, like we had is so ridiculous. We had desks that faced each other so that we could just kind of look over our monitor and chat. So like not effective for like getting a lot of like tasks done, <laughs> but it was so fun for collaborating. And I think that's exactly right. It's that push and pull. It's that I have an idea and let's talk about that idea and and discern its merits. That's what's fun in collaborating, like actually fleshing it out and and poking holes and seeing if that idea really stands up so that then when we go to execute on it, we've got a pretty fleshed out plan. It might not be perfect, but, you know, it's it's pretty well thought out. And so we're not exhausting our team in just running in a bunch of directions, trying a bunch of things, then telling them, oh, whoops, that didn't work. Let's try something else, you know. And and that's been really cool to hear from the team, that input of like, well, I know that you guys thought about this. Yeah. That is like the most like, yes, we did. Thank you. Um, So dumb. But yeah, we we talk about this all the time, that the best idea wins. It doesn't matter where it came from. And so I think it's so important to continually reinforce that, which means that we don't just say yes to an idea because it makes someone feel good. And we don't just say no to an idea because it wasn't my idea. That mm -hmm. we actually evaluate the idea. So I think as a visionary in particular, this is one of the hardest things to learn, to be able to separate yourself from your ideas. That if someone is poking holes in your ideas, they're not saying you're bad at ideas or that <laughs> you're not good at coming up with a plan. You know, they are actually trying to help you come up with the best idea. And so I think it's easy to see ideas as a reflection of you. I think it's easy to see the firm as a reflection of you. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things in this last year in in asking all kinds of questions and asking like, should I sell my firm? Am I done with this? You know, just being willing to engage in, in a lot of different thought processes about like, what do I really want? Being able to separate the firm from me, that it is not a reflection of me. I definitely have influence on it. And I hope that that influence is always positive. But it is its own thing that I am responsible for, that I am stewarding, but it's not me. And so being able to have that separation will help in being able to do that kind of collaborating so you get to good ideas that aren't just your ideas. And if you want other people to contribute, you have to be able to reinforce that. You have to be able to engage in their ideas as well. Their ideas yeah. have to win when they're the best. Your ideas have to win when they're the best. And you need someone to discern what is the best or at <laughs> least what's the best for right now. And so it was it was around when we started working together that I read a great book called Do Scale. And one of the questions he asks in it is, do you want to be rich or do you want to be king? Uh, or I guess in my case, queen. And that really stuck out because that means it's not the Anna Reddy show. 
with an ensemble or, or, you know, with a supporting cast all there, but the spotlight is on me. Like, it is an ensemble. It is like a full, you know, cast of characters that are all contributing to this show. And so I had to kind of make that choice. Like, okay, I could be the only decision maker. I can be in charge of all things, but we will always be limited. There is a really hard cap on that. And I'd rather be rich. That's just me personally. So, you know, one of the other takeaways from that book that I think is kind of connected to everything we've been talking about is high quality team-based decision making. So, Jill, you want to share a little bit more about that worst acronym, best idea? It's a great idea. Terrible acronym does not help you remember it. Although I've used it enough times now, I think it might help me. (laughs) Yeah, can you say it? I can't even... H-Q-T-B-D-M. No, it's a terrible acronym. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but it's a great idea. High-quality team-based decision-making. And this really does go back to the idea that you really cannot do it alone. Like, you you reach a point of diminishing returns on the effort and input that you're putting into your firm if you're trying to do it solo. And so the idea around high-quality team-based decision-making is that you make decisions from multiple perspectives and you use you know, the strengths that you have to point out what works, what doesn't work, and to come to a conclusion that everyone can decide on. And and the idea is that you will gather your data around this decision. You will debate the decision or discuss it. We like to debate or discuss, but I, I like both because they're both aiming at the same goal, which is finding the right idea. And then you decide or defer the decision. And and I like that. That's literally how we make decisions. And I like it because it's such a simple framework. It's four Ds, data, debate, decide or defer. And we make really quick decisions because we have a really solid framework for doing that. And I, I like to say, you know, for us in particular, for anyone in a collaborative role or in a meeting that's function is collaboration, it is your job to disagree But at the end of that meeting, we're committed. So it's your job to disagree in this room. But at the end of this, we will all be aligned. We will all be facing the same direction and headed in the right direction together. Um, But the whole point of disagree, then commit, is that your voice will be heard. Even if your idea doesn't win, your voice is going to be heard. Your input will be valued. And we will end at the right spot. And that, again, if everyone on your team is aimed at the right goals and it's not self-serving, it, it makes it possible. And, and honestly, the, the thing that I like most about this um, concept, this high-quality team-based decision-making, is that you just get more voices in the room. When you're making decisions and you have a very clear framework for how you make those decisions and you have a really clear system around what the goal is and and everyone knows what we're trying to accomplish, those voices in the room make that decision, make that conversation, make that end result infinitely better because it brings in diversity of thought, diversity of experience, diversity of perspective. And all of that means that we're getting more input that takes us to a better end result. And it's just, it's really fun to hear people come up with things that we have not thought of. Like people on our team, when we collaborate with them and they are, you know, thinking outside the box in a way that we hadn't even imagined, it's just such a fun and exciting thing to be part of because it means that people are bringing their whole self to work. They are bringing their whole mind and they're coming looking for solutions to problems and getting excited about finding solutions to those problems. And 
And it's just a really exciting thing to be part of. And and to teach other people how to do is really fun. Our team gets the benefit of the learning that we have because that's just how we work. We expect everyone on our team to be excited to learn and generous with their knowledge. And so this information is helpful in even guiding our team and how they can make strategic business decisions for our crew because there are more leaders than just the two of us in our company at this point. And that is exciting. So everyone on our team works at a place where their thoughts are heard, where we actually let them know what we do with their thoughts. So if we take their input um, and, and do something with it, we'll tell them. If we end up doing something different, we'll tell them. So I think it's not just, you know, we want your input, but we are actually going to do something with it. We will thoughtfully consider it and we will let you know what we end up going with and why. And that's um, one of the other things that we really focus on is we want to make it clear why we're making the decisions we're making. And we think asking why is a perfectly acceptable question from our team. If we can't tell you why we're making a decision, it's not a very good decision. So I think it's, you know, at a lot of companies, there's they ask for input and then maybe they do something with it. Maybe they don't. And so it doesn't really feel like they care, doesn't really feel like they're going to do anything with it. So you kind of end up stopping giving input because you're like, well, I don't really want my input. It is actively reinforcing. We want your input. We will consider it and we will do something with it, even if we don't do your thing. Maybe we're going to take your input and take our idea and then combine them into something that was better than either of those things individually. So I think not just bringing more voices in the room, but also bringing them in at the right points and bringing them in in a way that really is respectful of them and their time and their input and their contribution. So we have some team members who, you know, love that kind of early phase collaboration and we can bring them in a little earlier in the process. We have team members who that would be their nightmare but they're great at execution. And so bringing them in a little later in the process is more, you know, relaxing and helpful for them. And, you know, we get a much better output from bringing them in at that phase. So I think it's it's knowing your team, it's valuing their contributions, letting them know what you do with their contributions, and then also knowing them enough to know at what point in decision making they should be in the room, which I think we'll talk in the future about how we know that about our team, which will be super fun. But I I love that we say that we want contributions and we mean it and it's clear and our team keeps giving them. And so we get such great ideas that aren't always my ideas which is so fun. I enjoy it when someone else's idea is something I didn't think of and I get to be like, oh my gosh, that's a great idea. And it makes people want to contribute. But they also know that we won't say it's a great idea if it's not. And so Mm -hmm. there is that like, you know, it's not just, yay, everyone gets a participation trophy. It's like, no, no, like we're going to say it's a great idea only if it's a great idea. So when we say it, man, that feels good. Yeah, it does feel really good when you hear it. Yeah. And we have such a fantastic team that wants to continually improve themselves and continually improve the kind of company that they work for. And so it's a really good partnership on both sides. I love it. Thanks for joining us. We hope you'll keep tuning in as we share how we're building a firm worth building. It's going to be good.